started in on something in here last time we were here, which has been about three months, we figured. I want to spend some time this year. The theme has been who we are in Christ. Who are you? The when I when I began to study on this, I was coming to the end of the last thing we did in here, which was the nine things you need to know to live in this world. And I was saying, okay, Lord, what do I do next? What where do we go next? What's the what's next on the on the agenda? Because I don't like coming in here without a plan. Now, those of you who have been with at our services any number of times know that sometimes things don't go quite the way I had them planned. I may have an idea of where we're going, and God is welcome at any time to change my plans. One of my favorite preachers, Brother Kenneth Copeland, puts it this way. He, he looks at the congregation in the middle of one of, the, one of these services that didn't go quite the way he had it planned. He says, you guys realize I just work here, right? <laughs> it's like, I don't make the rules. I just I just do what God tells me to do. But in that, I was like, okay, God, I need to know what's the plan. And I was at work one day when I was thinking about this. And what started going around and around in my head, many of you guys will probably be familiar with the TV series CSI and the theme song by The Who called Who Are You? And that just that 30-second loop that they used for the intro just kept looping around in my head. You know how sometimes an earworm will get in your head and it's just, it's not even a full song. It's just a clip of a song. And it just keeps going round and round and round. It'll repeat, you know, hundreds of times. And I was like, who are you? And I was like, okay, Lord, yeah, I, I need to know who you are. And it was like the Lord said to me, eh, and I don't mean an audible voice, but I recognize the voice of God in my spirit. When he speaks to me, I, I hear it. And it's like, no, you need to know who you are. Those of you who were here for the nine things you need to know to live in this world, number eight on that list was that you need to know your identity. You need to know who you are. And just in the space of a few minutes, I began to jot things down, just things that would come to my mind. And there's there's many more. I'm not done with my study on this. And so this could go for a while. But I want to, we want to talk about who we are. Who are you? And so let's get into this tonight. Let's go over to 1 John, and we'll begin to look at some things. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to minister your word to your people. Let the words that are said tonight not be my words, but yours, Lord. I I can only say, like my Lord and Savior Jesus, I want to be able to say that I only do what I see my Father do, and I only say what I hear my Father say. So Lord, speak to us tonight through your word and through me. We praise you for it. We honor you in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. First John, chapter 3. I need to put my towel back in my bag, too. Don't let me forget that next time. <laughs> oh, praise God. I know that's super professional, but i got to wipe my face. First John, chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Behold, 
Now we can take off and preach for hours on behold. That is a big word. And it's not a word that we typically use in our day-to-day conversations. We don't typically say, behold, the traffic accident. (laughs) No, we're like, in, in modern English, we'd say, look at this, see this. But behold, he wants us to really pay attention to this. Behold what manner of love the Father, that's our Father God, has bestowed upon us or has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. I tie this in with what Paul wrote over in the book of Romans where he says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Now, that terminology shed abroad, I looked this up one day in the Greek and I was I was amazed by it because... God doesn't do anything small. Realize we have a big God and he does big things. And so when the word says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, it's the picture of pouring into us without respect for the size of our capacity to receive it. The example that I've used repeatedly is this. Take a, let's take a something that's got a fairly large capacity, say a five-gallon bucket. That's a fairly decent capacity for liquid. And you've got a fire truck with a fire hose, and you just crank that nozzle all the way over and start pouring into that bucket. Well, it's going to fill up in just a matter of a second, two seconds, just, I mean, super quick. Well, that, and the, but that nozzle's not going to cut off. It's still pouring into that bucket there, even though there's no more room to receive it. Well, that's what the love of God looks like in us. He just keeps pouring it into us. That's what takes care of, that's what takes care of the sin nature. You've got things in your life that you don't like, things that you're struggling with. Paul talks about over, over in the book of Romans, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? He talks about I, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. What will take care of that in your life is knowing and believing the love that God has for you. That keeps Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And the love and the grace of God is what cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It'll take care of that sin problem. You don't have to keep running to God saying, God, I messed up again. I messed up. Yes, he knows you messed up. Yes, if you've sinned, back up a couple of pages. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So absolutely do that. But don't let the enemy put you under condemnation. When you've, you've done something, you've sinned. We've all done it. Any preacher that tries to get up here and say that they've never sinned, or that since they became a believer, they've never sinned? Again, back up a couple pages. John says, if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. We mess up. It happens. But when we, when we mess up, when we sin, we go to God and say, Lord, I've messed up, but I believe that your grace is bigger than my sin. Your grace is bigger than my sin. So behold, the manner of love the Father has bestowed, has given, has poured out and shed abroad in our hearts that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. If the world does, if people around you look at you and they don't understand you, that's because they don't understand Jesus. They don't understand God. 
Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, this is not talking about when we get to heaven. The revelation of Jesus is not when we go home to glory. That's the reason that when we sing victory in Jesus, that I changed that last light on, that last line on the third verse. The original says, some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Okay, I, I'm, I'm down with that. I understand that. I, when I change the line, it's not because the original was wrong. But let's not wait till we get to heaven to sing the song of victory because the victory that is in Jesus is in us. We want Jesus to be revealed in us. Paul said it over in the book of Colossians. says that the mystery that has been revealed from the ages, that has been hidden from the ages, but has now been revealed, is Christ in us, the hope of glory. I get a little wound up. I can't just stand still. <laughs> I... Being a being a sound geek, among other things, I, I notice I, I'll watch somebody like trying to think of a good example, Doctor D. James Kennedy. He's no longer with us. He's gone home to glory. But he was he was a Presbyterian minister, and he would stay on his podium. He didn't have to wear a he didn't have to wear a lapel mic or anything because the mic on the podium would pick him up, and he didn't move. My grandma does the same thing. I, on the other hand, get a little wound up. I got to move. <laughs> so, because I get excited about this stuff, that the love of God has been poured out on us, that I want to see Jesus revealed in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, let's turn over to Big John, John chapter 1. And there's so much in John chapter 1 that you can just, you can just take off and preach. John chapter 1. And verse 12. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right, or the margin of my Bible says he gave the authority to become children of God to those who believe in his name. This is our, this is our part to play. Jesus did his part by coming and dying for us and by living for us, not just by dying. If you focus just on the death, Paul says, if Christ be not risen, we are of all men most miserable. I know a lot of miserable believers because they haven't realized part one of this, who, who we are in Christ, was that because he is alive, we are alive in him. Because he is alive in us, that life that raised Christ from the dead, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will also quicken or make alive your mortal body. So because he's alive, we're alive. We have life and life more abundantly. May It may be my favorite verse in the Bible. There's a lot of verses I say that about, but this one may be my favorite. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes not except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The Amplified there says that they might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Melanie can tell you anywhere you turn in our house, I, nearly everywhere, I think, 
somewhere in the in eyeline, you'll find that verse posted. I put up like 10 copies of it around the house. You'll see it in big print. In abundance, to the full, till it overflows. This is God's plan for us. And it's his plan for you. It's not just for me. It's for all of us. That we're to live an abundant life. That our life is to look like his life looks. So if Jesus doesn't have poverty, and he doesn't. If Jesus doesn't have sickness, and he doesn't. If Jesus doesn't have death, because he's already defeated death. And again, he doesn't. If he doesn't have any of those, we don't need to have any of those. So we can live an abundant, overcoming life in him. But this is our part to play here in verse 12. It's our job to receive. He has done his part. I said this in one prison service, and I flipped some people out. You'll you'll see it posted around after 9-11. It started popping up everywhere. God bless America became the song of the moment. I got to tell you, God is not going to bless you. I'll prove that. Turn over, turn over to the book of Ephesians. See, this is what I'm talking about, about God changing my plan. <laughs> this wasn't on the schedule. Book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, hallelujah. Is, is it Ephesians? <laughs> oh, great. Lord, help me. Yes, there it is. Praise God. It wasn't the verse I was thinking of. It is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed. Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's talking about his Father and ours. The creator of the universe is our Father. Because he's our Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verb tenses in the word are vitally important. He has blessed us. Every blessing has been given to us in Christ. So, I don't pray for God to bless me. I thank God that he has blessed me. And yes, if you have a need in your life, the word says, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened, Jesus says. I will give you, I'll give you an example of this. For the past several years, um, well, before Melanie and I got married, and this last Sunday we celebrated our 12th anniversary. So before we got married, so somewhere between 12 and 13 years ago, we needed a vehicle. I didn't have one at the time, and she was getting ready to move down here to join me after we got married. And so we needed a vehicle. And we prayed, and we believed God, and he led us to the right vehicle at the right price. And it was a, was and is a 2000 Chrysler LHS. And we bought it with 101,000 miles on it and we've put 224,000 miles on it. (laughs) It's got 325,000 miles on it right now. And so several years ago now, been the last couple years, we're like, okay, Lord, this thing's starting to get a little bit older. It's starting to, you know, starting to have its little quirks. You know how cars get when they've been driven that many miles. And 
we need we need guidance. We need to we need our next vehicle. But I wasn't praying, Lord, bless me with a new vehicle. I was saying, Lord, you've blessed me with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So now I need your guidance. Proverbs chapter three says, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So we're praying about it. We're saying, okay, Lord, we need a new to us vehicle. I don't necessarily need to walk onto a car lot and buy a new vehicle, but we needed a new to us vehicle. Well, just a little bit over a month ago now, the Lord placed the right vehicle at the right price in front of us. It is a 99 Ford Contour that had right at a hundred, right at a hundred thousand miles on it. So the way we drive it, we'll put another couple hundred thousand on it or we'll replace it as the case may be. But the Lord led us to it and now we're driving it and it's a blessing of the Lord. I enjoy it. it she's, 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 she's zipping around in this thing. It's one of these little four cylinder things. That it's got, it's got, Plenty of get up and go though. So praise God. But that's, that's just a, just a minor thing that we didn't, we weren't praying, Lord bless us with this. He's already blessed us. The blessing is already in action. So all we had to do is say, okay, Lord, lead us, guide us. So now then, back on track a little bit here. <laughs> so that was free. Go over to the book of Romans. We're going to look at a couple of things in Romans chapter 8, but we're going to look at things a little bit out of order. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. And verse, we're going to pick, we're going to jump back and pick up a couple of things earlier than this. Well, let's go to verse 16 to begin with. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So, this is who we are. We are the children of God. One song that I had, I thought about doing tonight and we didn't, is a it's a relatively recent song that I really enjoy called No Longer Slaves. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. But the word child that's used here is the Greek word technon, and it has to do with being a child by birth or by adoption, but it has to do with the legal standing of being offspring, whether mature or not. The example that I used last week was this. Our president, Donald Trump, has several children, but his, I believe it's his youngest son, Baron, is 11 years old. Just had a birthday a couple of days ago. He's a child of Donald Trump, but he's a technon. He can't just walk up to the top floor of Trump Tower and go do whatever he wants to do just because his name's on the building. Because he's not yet mature. But President Trump has two older sons, two that we know, there's others, but two that are working in the, in the family business, Donald Jr. and Eric. They have the right to 
go to the top of Trump Tower and do whatever they want to do because their father has given them that authority. So verse 16 here tells us that because his spirit bears witness with our spirit, we are children of God. We are the tecton of God. This is why Jesus would say that if you're going to come to the Father, you must come as a little child. And we never lose that, we never lose that relationship. I used my sister as an example of this. She's 30 years old, but she is most definitely 100% a daddy's girl. And if she could get away with it, she would run up and jump on his lap. Probably not a good idea. But if she could get away with it, she would. But it's that relationship. And yes, we never lose that childlike expectancy, that childlike relationship with our father. The, I think it's the message translation. I know it's in the message, but I think it may be here in verse 15, where, it's a, where it translates this as, what's next, Papa? What are we doing next? And I, I love that. So we never lose that. As children of God, we have that, that relationship with our Father. But let's back up two verses and go to verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now this doesn't just refer to guys. I'm preaching to men tonight, but... I preached the same thing to the ladies over at Eddie Warrior last Sunday night. This, do, this doesn't have to do with gender. But sons, the Greek word weos, has to do with maturity. Those are the ones, those, those are the ones that are the sons of God that God can put trust in and put authority behind. I heard one minister put it this way. He had a he had a particular he had a particular thing he was praying about. And yes, if you if you need direction, the word says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. God gives liberally and doesn't scold us for asking. So if you have that need for wisdom, certainly ask for it. But he was praying about it. He had two options that he could pursue. And both of them were good. It was this wasn't a one of these looks really good. One of them I don't. I, I just don't know about. Both of these things looked. Hey, they, these could be all right. He said, "In my prayer time, the Lord said, you can handle this one. Make a call, and I'll back it." I loved that. I thought I like that. I want to be in that position where when I have something that something that I, I desire to do, and I, I go to the Lord and say, "Lord, what do you want me to do about this?" that God would say, you got this. Just make a call and I'll back it. Now see, here, here's something that's important. I, I picked up something from Chaplain McCollum over at Eddie Warrior and it really stuck with me. Several years ago now, they built a beautiful chapel facility there where, where the... The chapel, the ministries have their own, their own location with a nice auditorium and, you know, classrooms and all, all that. And the chaplain, in talking about what they went through building this thing, 
She says, if it's God's will, it's his bill. That stuck with me. So it's it's important that if we want God to back our play, <laughs> that we make sure it's his play. Because the word tells us that that God is the author and the finisher of our faith over in Hebrews. Says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So if he didn't author it, or you could say if he didn't authorize it, it's not his responsibility to take care of. Going back to, going back to our, our vehicle situation. 12 years ago now, when we were over 12 years ago now, when we were looking for our first vehicle, um, we were running out of time. She'd been down to visit and needed to get back to needed to get back to her home. And we said, "Well, we really need to do something. We really need to get this thing together." And I was ready to jump into something that wouldn't have been the right vehicle. And she didn't have any peace about it. My dad, who I trust as the as the head of this ministry and as a Man of God, he didn't have any peace about it. I said, you know, I'm ready to push on this thing because I was like, we've got to get this thing done. And if I had jumped out and done that, yeah, God will forgive you. (laughs) You know, how many times have we all screwed something up and then we're like, okay, God, God help me. It, it, it's it's like okay, going going back to that little kid thing, and I I did this to Dad so many times when I was a little kid. You break something. For me, it was me. It was electronic stuff. I mean, and I I would drop it or something, and I'd bring this basket to Dad, and I'm like, Daddy, fix it. <laughs> and Dad, being a great picture of God in my life, would fix it. He'd put it back together, he'd solder whatever I'd broken, and put it back together. And then he'd look at me and say, don't do that again. <laughs> and so, yeah, if, if you mess up, you make the wrong decision. We've all made the wrong decision once or more, or many times. <sighs> yes, God, yes, he'll forgive us. Yes, there's, there's grace, and he'll, he'll fix it. But it's better to just do it right the first time. Okay, so. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons, the weos, the mature sons of God. The ones that, you know, you'll, you'll see the family business and it will say, well, a great, great example. My dad wears primarily Justin Booth. If you look at their logo, it's H.J. Justin and Sons boot manufacturer. That he brought he brought his kids into the family business. Well, this is God's plan for us. He wants the controlling corporation of the universe is God and Sons, and he wants to be he wants to put us in those positions of authority. Yeah, we're we're never going to. We're never going to be able to take over his spot. This is where Satan screwed it up. <laughs> Satan said, "It's like I will exalt my throne above the Most High." 
Stupid move, bud. <laughs> so don't don't get that picture. We're never going to take over the head the head position here. But because we're his sons, and because as we'll see in the next next several months, we're one with him, that we're we've been made one in him. We'll see that over in the book of Ephesians. But he wants to bring us into a position of authority. Now, let's go over to the book of Galatians. Now, Paul in Galatians covers some of the same covers some of the same spots here that that he covered with the Romans, much like much like we do in going into three different facilities. We have to sometimes share the same message multiple times to get to different people. But Galatians chapter 3, there's so much in Galatians chapter 3. But Galatians chapter 3, verse, well, I just got to start in verse 26 because I don't have time for the rest of it. Praise God. Verse 26 says, For you are all sons. That's we us, sons of God, through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then I love this. This this one will set you free. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, what does that mean? Another one of those, another verse that I, this one I only put up a couple of copies of it, but one of them's above the shower so I can, so I can meditate on this while I'm getting ready for the day. And that's back up just a few verses to verse 13. Christ has, again, verb tenses, once and for all, done deal, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become, or the old King James says it, having been made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, which is Christ. And then we saw over in verse 29, that if we belong to him, if we are the children of God, through being baptized spiritually, not uh, being baptized physically is important. Uh, it's, 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 it's a vital thing. But salvation comes through believing in Jesus. And so when we have put our faith in him, when, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, when we have believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, then, verse 29, if you are Christ, if you belong to him, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Praise God. How much time do I have? Anybody got a... Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, got about 10 minutes for me to be done about, what, 7.30, I think? Something Praise God. Let's turn the page, basically, and go over to 
No. Actually, let's just let's stay there. Let's, let's we were there in verse twenty nine. Let's go ahead and just ignore the chapter break and read on down into chapter four. Now I say that the heir, because we read this over in Romans, that if we're children of God, then we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. There, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. Go back to the example I used previously. Because Baron Trump is only 11 years old, yeah, he, because he's his daddy's son, there's things... There's things he gets away with. There's things he can do. There, there was an old picture back during a, during President John F. Kennedy's term in office. There's a picture of his son, John Jr., playing under the desk in the Oval Office. Yeah, there's, there's a measure of authority and a measure of things that you get to do just because you're a technon, just because you are the child of the president, or the child of, in this case, the child of God. But, you're still a kid, which means, yeah, you don't, you don't get the keys to the vault. You don't get the, you definitely don't get the keys to the Ferrari. You don't, you don't get any of that because you haven't matured into that level yet. The heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, I want, I want you to see something. Until the time appointed by the father. The time for our maturity. We're, we're at that appointed time. We've got to grow up. We've got to grow into this. The time is short. The word says that, that Jesus is going to return for a church without spot or wrinkle. We're not here just trying to fit into the world. We're not here just to get the world to like us. We're here to take over. This is the victory that overcomes the world, that takes over the world, even our faith. Even so, verse 3, when we were children, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now people will say, oh, I'm I'm just a servant of God. No. Yes, we serve God. But we're not, and, and Paul, in, in introducing himself, will often refer to himself as a bond servant. Go back to the Old Testament and study this out, but the bond servant chose their position because in the, in the, the Old Testament, the Hebrew law, you could, slavery, you couldn't, you couldn't keep a slave for more than seven years. But, perhaps that, that perhaps that person comes to the end of that t- that time of slavery and says, you know what, I got a good deal going on here. My master takes good care of me. I've got family here. I've got all this, and he becomes a bond servant. He puts himself willingly in that position. So yes, I could call myself a bond servant of Christ Jesus, the way Paul does. But it's because of my position as a son of God. 
Not the Son of God. When the word says the Son of God, capital S, it's talking about Jesus. But we are the sons, lowercase s, of God because we're united with him, because we're in him, that we are the sons, multiple, plural, of God. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And so then he, he goes on into all these other, all these other things. He says, if you're a son of God, why are you still living like the world? Why are you still, why are you still trying to do all these things to please God? Because we are the sons of God, that changes our position. And it changes the way we respond when, when the enemy comes at you. When, when Satan tries to say, well, you remember what you did. You know, he may not even tell you. He's like, oh, you know. It's like, no, I don't recall that because that's been put under the blood. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever it was, that you did, that Satan's trying to hold over your head, you look at him and says, that's not who I am. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. And not just a, not just a baby child, but a mature son of God. And because God is my father and because his blood, because the blood of my savior, Jesus has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. It changed, like, again, this, this changes the way you respond to say that changes the way you respond to the enemy. That when he comes at you, no, you don't have authority over me any longer. I am a child of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Alright, well, let's let's go ahead and close this for this evening. But remember that when when somebody comes at you, who are you? I, I am a child of God. I am a son of the king. <laughs> Lord, we thank you. We thank you that your precious blood has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. We thank you that because that blood now flows through our veins, that we have been adopted into the family. Lord, help us to grow in you that we would that we would be the mature children of God that you've called us to be. Lord, I thank you that every need, your word tells us all wrote over in Philippians that we don't need to be anxious about anything, but in all things with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving we can let our requests be made known to you and your word says that the peace that perfect shalom peace, that nothing missing and nothing broken that passes all understanding would guard our hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. So I thank you, Lord, right now that every need, spirit, soul, and body, physical, financial, and relational, every need is met in accordance with your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We praise you for it. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is working and ministering in the hearts of these precious people today. Lord, if they don't know you, that your Spirit is bringing not condemnation, but conviction to draw them to you. That there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We praise you, Lord, for it in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.